This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Creating is what drives change. So, you know, when you're starting with something that's caca to begin with, it doesn't matter how much diamonds and glitter you put in it, it's still caca. You know, and oftentimes we're debating if this caca is good or not, if it could be better or not. And what I found is that creating is a source of change. And so I invite all people who want to see change in this world to create it. Welcome to Latinas Take the Lead. Teresa Park is a pink-haired, fierce, awesome, and smart first-generation Asian Latina immigrant who will talk about her multifaceted identity. From being born in Korea to moving to Honduras at the age of eight to then coming to the United States to pursue her college education, Teresa struggled with navigating different spaces and cultures while also questioning her sense of belonging. This letter to founding Mujeres del Futuro. Teresa is a powerful force who is just as vibrant and bold as her hair. She continues to remain true to herself as she teaches other Latinas to be unapologetic and poderosa like herself. Let's go. Welcome to Latinas Take the Lead, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So for those of you that are not familiar with Teresa, she is a force. She is a first-generation Asian Latina immigrant. But why don't you tell us who you are and what you're currently working on? Of course, my pleasure. I love to describe who I am by the values because uh, I think we are human beings before human doings. Uh, so with that being said, I would say I am love and kindness. I am honesty and impact. And I'm also play and wonder. So those are the values that guide my decisions, my actions, the intention behind what I do. Now, in terms of what I do, uh, I am the founder of Mujeres del Futuro, 
which is a virtual safe space of belonging for Latinas that centers the potential of us in the digital economy. Also, I am an owner of a digital marketing agency and an instructor at the University of Washington, teaching graduate students on how to center equity in our communication. Right. And I just have to say this, that I really love the color of your hair. How, how would you describe it? What is it's like a purple or like, how would you describe it? I would describe it as it's a fun, vibrant, joyful color. So it varies. Sometimes it's lavender. Sometimes it's cherry blossom pink. Sometimes it's bright, bold fuchsia. You know, it matches the mood and the force and the strength that I am expressing at that moment in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to go more into Mujeres del Futuro and all of that. But I really have to take a moment to pause and really, I, I mean, I admire you, who you are, the the colorful personality that you represent. Um, was it a big, bold move to kind of make this decision to present yourself and go into the world with this pink or purple hair? Because I think it takes so much bravery to to do something, something like that, you know, that may seem simple. I so appreciate you asking the question the way you did, Naive. <laughs> um you know, when I was a girl, I always envisioned myself as an adult with pink hair. I think it just embodies my playful, wondrous uh, personality and what I want to experience from life. Mm -hmm. However, it was not a direct path from what the little Hannah Teresa dreamt of and who I have become as an adult mujer and women. Um, in the middle, I often found myself hiding and making myself small and trying to fit in because, mm -hmm. you know, being a first First generation Asian Latina American immigrant, you know, I was sometimes not Asian enough and I was not Latina enough or I was not United States citizen enough. So I've constantly found myself navigating these different spaces and cultures and not quite seeing other people that would embody this multifaceted, multi dimensions of identity. Mm -hmm. So I tried on a lot to try to fit in, minimize, be quieter, smaller, to the point that I felt I was becoming invisible to myself. I was disconnecting with myself. I was losing that Hannah Teresa that was living within me. And as a child, I had envisioned. So I took a very bold move and I said, I'm going to dye my hair pink because that is who I see myself to be. Uh, at that time when I was at work, people were very worried. They were like, you know, you're in high positions of power, pink hair. Is that really professional? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe your clients are no longer going to respect you because you have this hair. And I said, if that is what it takes to be who I am and express myself, maybe I'm not in the right place. So for me, this pink hair is a symbol for myself and a reminder to myself of owning my own identity, my own narrative, my own truth, and being vulnerable and brave to show it to the world and be with whichever reactions comes back. Because at the end of the day, I am honoring who I am. Amazing. I always admire people like you that are openly loud, bold, and are not not hiding who they are, their true selves, because I think a lot of us wish we could be like you, right? Like, I wish I could do all of these different things. And sometimes we do succumb to like, okay, let me just kind of fit in to the mold, etc. But like you said, your history and your trajectory was always kind of not fitting into one specific mold. So let's address that. Um, 
you are an Asian Latina immigrant. So I want to take it back from the beginning. Where were you born? Where are your parents from? And how did you end up here in Seattle, Washington, I believe is where you're at, correct? Absolutely. So I was born to two wonderful, marvelous parents uh, in Seoul, Korea. Uh, you know, you, I'm sure most of you have heard Gangnam style. So <laughs> that is where I grew up. Uh, however, my parents are not your stereotypical tiger Asian parents. Uh, they really believed in, you know, wonder and playfulness and finding and discovering who I am and being able to express that. And they knew that given the social norms and the pressures within the Korean society, that was not the path that would be an easy one for me to go on. So the global citizens and viewers, uh, visionaries that they are, they packed all our lives into six luggages and said, we're on our way to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Yeah. So at eight years old, I landed in San Pedro Sula. And I vividly remember when the plane's door opened, that steamy, tropical, beautiful <laughs> heat just embracing me and feeling the kisses of the tropical sun on my skin. And it was quite also jarring experience because I would speak Korean, yet no one could understand me. And I would, they would speak to me and I could not understand. And that was the first experience of, whoa, where am I? <laughs> I do not understand this space. So all my formative years, the women and the people who raised me, you know, embraced me, made me who I am, really comes and is rooted in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Was there a Korean community already in San Pedro Sula or did your parents just kind of throw a dart at, at the globe and say, hmm, let's see, let's see, this is, we're just going to land here or why, what brought them specifically to San Pedro Sula? Yes. So a couple of things. Uh, my, I think this adventurous spirit runs in our family. So my grandfather had also moved his entire family to South America. So my dad actually grew up in South America. Um, and then one of the things they desire for us was the ability to learn both languages, English and Spanish. And we had some family friends that were from Honduras and they said, you know, San Pedro Sula is a great place with a lot of wonderful bilingual education. It's a industrial business driven, uh, growing, prosperous city. So that's how we landed in San Pedro Sula. What was like your favorite thing to eat when you were in Honduras? Oh, there's so many. The thing where I missed the most when I was studying in Grinnell, Iowa was platanos, platanos maduro. So that is the baseline of my favorite food. But in Honduras, baleadas are a very typical food. It's a large flour tortilla that you just fill it in with all your favorite things. So frijoles, crema, you know, huevos. You add whatever you want. Your imagination is the limit to what you add to a baleada. So many greatness. <laughs> And I'm curious, when you were that eight-year-old little girl in Honduras, how did you feel that you fit in? Because it could have gone both ways, right? How did kids make you feel coming from South Korea in San Pedro Sula? Talk to us about that. 
Oh, that's such a beautiful, vulnerable question. Um, you know, my parents put me in a bilingual school, so I went to a bilingual Spanish-English school, and the language I spoke was Korean. <laughs> and so I arrived, and I felt quite out of place. You know, I was in class, and everything was happening outside of my understanding, and I couldn't really engage. But I stayed, and I was there. Um, I was quite invisible to my friends. You know, when the bell would ring, and everyone would run to their own corners of the playground, I would often find myself alone. Um, and I remember just sitting in the recess area, in the playground area by myself, eating a sandwich. And I all of a sudden felt this huge buzzing pain on my forehead. And I just started crying out loud. And I think it was part the pain of the sting as well as the pain of not fitting in. Um, and I was having all this teary eye and I see this giant bee that had just stung me on the forehead. And at that moment, as I was crying and really expressing that feeling of being alone, I look up and there were all my all my classmates around me, hugging me, embracing me and being like, are you okay? And that was the moment that I felt like I was not alone. And that was the beginning. Um, I had a couple friends that are dear to me who after school, when the bell would ring, they would be like, come with us. And just all these gestures. And I would go with them and they'll be like in line to order the um, nieves. Mm -hmm. uh, what are those in English? <laughs> They're snow, like shaved, snow cones. Yeah, like shaved ice shaved, shaved ice. Yes. And, and we were in line and everyone was ordering and my friends were like, this is what you have to order. And I was like, I don't know how to order any, but I did know a couple colors and I saw the colors. So I would just be like, azul. And they would give me a blue shaved ice. And I just handed them all the cash I had. And my friend was like, no, 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 come over here, you know? So that was my introduction to the culture. And my friends really embraced me, took me, introduced me to the baleadas, to the banana tropical, all of these flavors and music and experiences. And that's why I hold so dear my Latinidad, because it was the people in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. It was my amigas, my friends who introduced me to a new world, held me, embraced me and welcomed me. Yes, definitely. Latinos are very welcoming. That is one of the biggest qualities I think our culture has. Um, and what did your parents do as far as for work? Were they business owners or what did they do? Because I'm sure they had their own challenges, right? Coming in from a foreign country and trying to fit in as well. Yeah, uh, my dad was an eye doctor, so they had a clinic as well as an uh, optometric store. Mm -hmm. So both of my parents work there. Uh, because my dad had grown in South America, he was able to speak Spanish, which was quite helpful for us to get adjusted. My mother, on the other hand, um, did not know Spanish, so, so she really learned the language at the store with the people. Um, right. So I saw that firsthand, the struggles of learning a language, navigating new systems, new worlds, um, and the immigrant experience of sacrifice and learning and growing and thriving in a place that's foreign at first, but then becomes endearing to your soul. And then you ended up here in the United States. When did that happen? 
yeah, that happened in college. I got a really great scholarship at Grinnell College, which is one of the top liberal arts colleges here in the United States. So I really did not have the typical college visiting experience. I didn't even know people visited campus and schools before they elected. I was in Honduras and I looked at it and I said, this is a great school, great scholarship. I'm going. So I landed in Iowa. <laughs> which is nothing like Florida or tropical Honduras. So my bikinis in the luggage were no good. <laughs> and I just landed and it was cornfield after cornfield. And I got to learn more about life in the Midwest. Wow. Talk about having a global experience from Korea to Central America to Middle America. Wow. How has all of that experience informed what you do now? Absolutely. I think um, when the famous phrase of ni soy de acá ni de allá, I've learned that at the same time, soy de aquí y de allá. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. And I think that was the biggest lesson that oftentimes we're so focused on the experience of not fitting in because it's tied to shame and not feeling good enough. And I realized it's actually a superpower. I get to empathize with more people. I get to understand where people are coming from. I'm open to listening and learning and trying other cultures, other experiences. So that informed my work in communication. Uh, so I started working in Seattle uh, at an Asian American advertising agency looking to hire someone to help them grow their Latino outreach department. Yeah. <laughs> you were the perfect candidate, correct? <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, I'm an Asian Latina, hire me now. So I started doing marketing. I worked with Fortune 100 clients, doing lots of really great campaigns, but I somewhat felt I was distancing myself from the people who I love to serve. Uh, so I left that agency and then immediately I got headhunted by a social impact agency that uses behavior science to drive social change. So what does social impact work mean for someone that's not in the industry and doesn't really know what that means? Social impact work is people who are dedicated to providing the tools, the communication, uh, really dedicating their lives to be in service of driving this transformative change. For example, let's say that uh, an organization is focused on environmental issues and they would like to help a particular community get informed about an environmental disaster that's happening in their area. So mm -hmm. social impact work would be how do we communicate to the most impacted communities about this disaster in the environment? How do we prep the community? It could be also very positive. It could be around mental Mental health, destigmatizing, seeking for mental health support. How do we communicate about that? How do we create a new culture where speaking about mental health is embraced and celebrated? So that's right. all part of social impact work. You're listening to Latinas Take the Lead. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of mental health, I know that you um, are a strong advocate of seeking mental health, right? Um, I understand that at some point in your corporate career, you were just not happy and you seeked help or you were really, you know, you really embraced your mental health journey. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and then what happened as a consequence Yeah, I think a lot of us, and I speak for myself, inherited an idea of what success looks like, especially when, um, you know, my background is looking at my parents and their sacrifice and creating all these new opportunities. So I realized that I inherited this idea of success, which was to do more, achieve more, 
be great, continue to do more, do, do, do. Um, and in that journey, I lost myself. I was completely burnt out. I was doing more, doing bigger things. Yet, where was Hannah Teresa Park at the core? Um, so I took a year off and I decided that I needed to prioritize healing. Now, growing as immigrants, changing spaces, changing countries, changing locations, those are quite experiences that leave uh, prints in you. And I think dedicating time to heal and understand was quite important. So I definitely went on a travel for a year. I went around the world, but the travel is not the most important thing. It was the people who I got to interview and listen to. So mm -hmm. I got to interview the first Mihe opera singer, artists, entrepreneurs, um, all different types of people uh, and women. And I learned that I needed to take some time to heal. So I did a lot of like group coaching. I did, I went to therapy. Um, I embraced going inward because mm -hmm. I realized that the success I inherited was in the external world. Right. And I took some time to go inward, to connect with myself, to anchor, which is the narrative? What's the story I'm going to tell myself about myself moving forward? And how am I going to express that story to the exterior world, whether they like it or not, because it is truthful and honest to me. Right. And finding that story within me was quite a journey. And however, it was one of the most freeing and liberating ones, because I got to take ownership over my life and my narrative and who I shared to be. Definitely. I absolutely love that. And I think we should all reach that epiphany at some point. Um, I think for the most part of our in our early years, we are kind of like on a machine, right? We're on a track where it's like we go to elementary school and then we go to high school and then we go to college and then we get our job and then maybe we get married, maybe not. But it's and I almost kind of feel like we don't even think like, is this actually what I want to do? We just do. Right. So to to have the i would say it's a privilege to have that kind of an epiphany and that kind of an awakening because not everyone has it ever a lot of people go through life and, and never have had that experience of being introspective of examining of questioning why are you doing what you're doing am i really happy right i was having a conversation with a friend the other day and she's like i think i'm having a midlife crisis because i'm quitting my job and i'm doing this and I'm, you know what and i said you know what it's not a midlife crisis it's a midlife awakening and you should embrace this and be so happy because you are are you know getting out of that shell of kind of like a zombie-like state, right? So thank you for, for talking about that. And I want to encourage all of us to look at, examine what we're doing, why we're doing it, are we happy? And um, look at you now. I mean, that period in your life, the, the ability for you to look at your life and re-examine your priorities led you to create so many beautiful things, including Mujeres del Futuro, right? So talk to us about you got back from that trip. You found yourself, so to speak. You um, let go of all of these things that were tying you down. And then what happened? Yeah. And I think I would add to what you just mentioned, Ava, because it's so beautiful what you said, um, that it's somewhat a revolutionary 
to go inward. You know, we live in a system and in a society and an infrastructure that prioritizes and values us based on productivity, what we can do, what we can make, what we can produce. So to be able to take the time to go inward, to define and design what is authentic and honest and truthful to me, what my happy fulfillment life looks like, I think is quite revolutionary. Um, and I knew that if I continue to do what I was doing, the system is too enticing. It rewards you with money and accolade and reputation, all of these things. So that is why I went on this travel, because I knew that by changing spaces and environment, I would be away from these temptations of come back to this comfy cycles and infrastructures we have. Um, and from these travels and interviews, what I heard a lot of women that I got to talk to was, you know, when I'm trying to create a new life, I am embarking on a new journey. I'm opening a new business. I'm starting my dream. Anything new that they wanted to create, oftentimes they felt alone. They were like, ah, sometimes I don't have the support of my family. Uh, my friends think I am, you know, what's going on with you? Right. You're going through a midlife crisis, as you were mentioning, and there was no support. So what I heard is, could we create a space where there are thousands of mujeres that all they want to do is support you, embrace you, uphold you, uplift you when you're in these key moments of life, when you're eager to take the new steps to build the life you love. Um, so that's where Mujeres de Futuro was born. Um, I put a post on Facebook that said, hey, is this something you would be interested in? And 30 women immediately jumped on and said, yes, let's talk. Let me tell you what my needs are. And we together built Mujeres de Futuro, a mm -hmm. virtual space of belonging for all of us where we get to support each other to right. live out our potential. Awesome. And what kind of resources or tools or um, things do you offer? And is it free? Like, can anyone just subscribe to Mujeres del Futuro? Absolutely. So the safe space of belonging is free and open to all mujeres. It is absolutely, it's all in Spanish. Uh, the tools that we offer are free workshops, free tools that are rooted in behavior science. So these are tools and strategies that we know that putting into practice can help you build habits, which in turn builds the life that you want. Uh, so we provide workshops, tools. We have um, a panel of experts who teach you all these different skill sets from self-care to starting a business, to fitness, to moving your body, to mindfulness. So we have a incredible group of experts that provide that. Uh, we also have ambassadors and leaders in different cities that host in-person meetups with other Mujeres del Futuro to talk about putting these strategies uh, in action and implementing it into our lives. Awesome. So you are busy because you also teach, right? Yeah. So I teach at the University of Washington in their master's program in communication and leadership. And I teach multicultural marketing, creating equity, inclusion, and justice through communication. Um, so one of the things I noted being in the marketing and advertising and communication world is oftentimes the people that are holding the strings to the purse are not well-versed in equity or how to center communities of color. Um, so I said, how can I scale my knowledge 
to the future leaders. And right. that's how the opportunity at the University of Washington came. And now I get to help uh, movers and shakers and leaders in the communication field that will be the future CMOs of big companies to be rooted in what it means to center communities of color. What is it to create programs and communication that reflect and represent diversity? Right. What do you think is the right way and the wrong way to do it? If you can sum it up in, in a sentence, which DEI initiatives are wrong way and the right way? I think the best way to think about it is that mm -hmm. the people closest to the impact are the closest to the solution. So oftentimes, you know, in the office, in your cubicle, we could think this is a marvelous strategy, policy, we should implement it. But the people who are most impacted are the ones that are experiencing it day in and day out. And they are the ones that hold the key to what the solutions are. So mm -hmm. if you're in DEI, you do not have to find the solution. Just mm -hmm. have the openness to listen to the people who are most impacted and right. support them in implementing the infrastructure that would make a difference for them. Right. And we know that there are certain states that are banning DEI initiatives. Okay, Florida, hello. What are your thoughts on that? I think one of the most important thing when it comes to doing social impact and social activism is this phrase, what resists persists. And oftentimes we are wanting to be right or make the other wrong. And it's just a constant fight of righteousness. And what I found so powerful in doing social impact work, Naive, mm -hmm. is that creating is what drives change. So, you know, when you're starting with something that's got, got to begin with, it doesn't <laughs> matter how much diamonds and glitter you put in it, it's still caca. Right. You know, and oftentimes we're debating if this caca is good or not, if we, it should, could be better or not. And what I found is that creating is a source of change. And so I invite all people who want to see change in this world to create it, to lead it, because then you're not no longer debating if the caca is worth it or not. <laughs> You've created what you see can drive change. So mm -hmm. I know it's easy to get wrapped up in media. It's easy to get wrapped up in, com in conversation because all our body reacts to that anger, mm -hmm. to to these emotions. But what I found to be the most productive is to focus on what can I create that can drive change. And I think that's why Latino community, we're so entrepreneurial because that's an act of creating what you envision possible. And, you know, that that is my answer. Let's not debate if it's good or bad or great or could be better. Let's create what we want to see. I love that. And I I agree with you 100%. I'm an entrepreneur too, and I created two platforms, Latina Fest, which is a festival that celebrates all things Latina here in Los Angeles. And we attract thousands of women and companies to meet, meet us where we are, right? I also created Contolo Press, which is a diverse children's book publishing company that creates these books that hopefully enlighten and empower not only the Latino community, but all communities to see how beautiful our culture is and how much we've contributed. And the beauty part is what you just said is the work is in creating and not resisting. Creating will make changes so true because the Latino community, as you know, is growing, right? We're not going anywhere. We're not going to disappear tomorrow. In fact, we're doubling and tripling our population. So yes, I totally 
totally 100% agree with you. Let's not cower to the power. Let's be the power of creativity, right? Um, and you're doing that with your Mujeres uh, del Futuro. How can people join Mujeres del Futuro? Yeah, you can join Mujeres del Futuro in our uh, private group on Facebook. So you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Mujeres del Futuro. You can also visit our website and all of the ways you can join us is listed there. Perfect. Um, so you are fluent in three languages or more now? Yes, three. Wow. Korean, Spanish, and English. How do the, does the Korean culture and the Latino culture, like, how do, how do, how are they alike and how are they different? If you can share that. Yeah, I think we're, there's so many similarities. Uh, I think one of them is this emphasis and love for family. Um, I think that is very much shared. Um, I also am a huge food lover. So I <laughs> see similarities all the time. You know, Koreans have their version of conchas, you know, just like we Latinos have our version of conchas and pan dulce. So, you know, there's a lot of similarity in culture and food and values of family. Um you know, innovation and um, going beyond and wanting to create. I think those are things that we share. Perfect. And do you equally relate and resonate with like Hispanic Heritage Month and AAPI, like Heritage Month? I think it's a rediscovery of my Asian American identity, mm -hmm. right? Because I have experienced Asian identity as having been born in Korea and growing up there. But when I came to the United States, I realized that how the exterior world perceives me is as an Asian American. So I'm currently in the journey of exploring what does it mean to be a Latina Asian American here <laughs> in the United States? Mm -hmm. um, and I think my experience always anchors me to go back to, at the end of the day, we're human beings. You know, um, these cultures could be the outfits that we get to put on or some outfits that we get don't get to take off. However, at the core of it all, we're human beings. You know, we feel shame, we feel love, we feel fear, we feel hope. And I realized that once we get to just show desnudar y mostrar el alma to get naked to the soul, we realize that we're all in this together. Definitely. And when we help our own community, we're helping the community at large, right? Because a better community means a better community for all the global community. I mean, we, we all want to just, like you said, be happy, thrive, and we all need to put in, you know, we're all putting in the work in our own little corners of the world. And before we go, Teresa, is there anything else you would love to share with our audience? Yeah, I would share if at this moment you're feeling alone, you are feeling that there is no support or what you're going through seems very alienating and isolating. I want you to know that you're not alone, that there are thousands of women ready to embrace you, to heal together, to hold space uh, for you to discover what you need. So you're not alone. We're all here eager to embrace and hug you and create that space for you. Perfect. And I always ask this question, what is something you're listening to, reading, doing that you're obsessed with that you want to recommend? Yeah, I am doing a lot of playing. 
So I am embracing a lot of play as adult. So that mm-hmm. could look like painting or doing nothing or just staring at a tree. I think making time for play is a revolutionary act in a world that values us by our productivity. So I am obsessed with playing. Um, and it's a skill that it's been hard to go back to because uh, it's been so many decades where I have not played. So that is something I'm currently obsessed with. Love it. Love it. And the name of the show is Latinas Take the Lead. How are you taking the lead? I am taking the lead by embracing the diversity in Latinidad. I am taking the lead by joining in all these mujeres del futuro and the community to define what it looks like, women supporting women, supporting each other. Uh, I'm taking the lead by embracing that healing can happen in collective space, in togetherness. Um, And I'm taking the lead by honoring who I am and embracing rest and play. Love it. Love it. And where can people find you? People can find me in Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you, you, know, you can fi- go to my website, teresapark.com, and all of my socials will be there for you to connect. And please do write me on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and I would love to hear your stories because I think stories are gifts and I am eager to hear yours. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. I was like, I, I don't know how I stumbled upon your Instagram months ago and I was like, I need to meet this lady, this woman. She's she seems so interesting and amazing. And and yes, you are. So I'm so pleased to have interviewed you and shared this space with you. So I will follow your journey and hopefully our paths will will soon meet again. Muchas Absolutely. Gracias. Muchas gracias a ti, Naive. Thank you for creating this space for all of us, for being such an inspiring leader and your generosity and grace for creating these opportunities for all of us. We appreciate you. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and give us a review. Tell your friends and comadres about our podcast and hope you join us next week. Latinas Take the Lead is executive produced by Hodston Reynoso Media Group, LLC, and hosted by me, Naiva Reynoso. Production assistant is Ana Sofia Monzon. Latinas Take the Lead is a production of the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hasta la próxima. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.